You are listening to The Healthy Sensitive. Welcome, everybody, to The Healthy Sensitive. I'm Leah Burkhart, your hostess on the show. Uh, We are now on episode 36, if you can believe it. And I know it's been a while since I last recorded. Mea culpa. Uh, There's been a lot of changes happening on my end, both of a personal nature as well as a professional. Wow, I can't speak today. That's okay. Professional nature. And uh, you might have also noticed that the sound, the intro sound of the podcast is a little different. I'm playing with it a bit, so I'm hoping that this is a good fit. I'd love your feedback if you think maybe I should revert back. But ultimately what I'm trying for here is a new sound, a new kind of... Oh style that mimics more closely the messaging I'm trying to put out there about what it means to be a highly sensitive person. Because from what I've gathered in a lot of the research, when other people, mainly those who aren't highly sensitive, look at folks like us, they have a tendency to view us with a lens of, oh, look at you soft little powder puffs, you. Look how uncool you are. And even us, when we describe ourselves, our generally pretty self-deprecating. I mean, let's face it, we're a lot of neat things, but I don't know if we would be said to be cool. But I kind of want to challenge that. I think we are cool. And the messaging around what it means to be highly sensitive often guides us in the direction of, oh, be careful, or oh, put little cotton puffs around you, or I don't even really know. And maybe this is just my own personal bias. Maybe I'm picking up onto things that aren't really true. But I'm trying to put the message out there that you don't have to choose between being a highly sensitive person who is healthy and grounded and sane and charged, as in your batteries being charged, or living a whole robust, full, brave, daring, greatly kind of life. You can have both. And that's really what I'm striving for here. It's what I'm striving for in the literature that I write. It's what I'm striving for with the research that I do. I'm trying to prove that. And it's what I'm trying to help facilitate and foster in the people I work with one-on-one in a coaching relationship or even in an education capacity. So again, love your feedback, but this is what I'm trying to push us toward. Uh, Push us toward feeling our inner cool, kind of getting used to our inner rock star. Because we are rock stars. We're capable of pretty tremendous things. Uh, We just have to own it and do it in our own very special, highly sensitive way. With that having been said, I thought I would relaunch with a discussion about the myths that are most, that I most commonly hear as it relates to highly sensitive people. Because uh, there are a lot. <laughs> like, and some of the myths, just so we're all clear here, are neat myths, like they make us sound cooler than we are. And of course, some of them make us sound like we are incompetent fools. <laughs> so I just want to set the record straight and dive in with a little bit of research to kind of reality check ourselves as well as the world who are making assumptions about us. So without further ado, there are going to be 10 of these. Number one, myth of the day, HSPs are snowflakes who aren't capable of taking criticism. 
So snowflakes is a word I'm hearing a lot, especially in our current political climate. So if you're sensitive to, I don't know, name calling or uh, it's coming up a lot in discussions about identity politics. Oh, you're just a snowflake. So highly sensitive people are frequently given the reputation for being easy to conquer. I will say this. I'm sure there are some sensitive ninnies out there. I've met some of them. And to many of them, I don't know if I say it out loud because of course I don't really want to hurt their feelings, but it does make me a little bit resentful because it kind of makes me want to go, oh, stop it. Uh, I do think there are some of us out there who wear our highly sensitive trait like a shield so we can say to the world, oh, I can't. It's hard. Adulting is difficult. I don't want to. Most highly sensitive people I know, however, uh, that's not what they're doing. If anything, they're overcorrecting. They're trying to prove how not so sensitive they really are. They're trying to go out there and be their most flamboyant, fabulous selves, and they're just exhausting themselves in the process. So I will say that highly sensitive people do tend to be uncomfortable with criticism that isn't constructive. So here's the thing. Highly sensitive people process information deeply. When they're given criticism, they'll take it to heart. And part of that is just by virtue of how they process the data. So the data is coming in and they're chewing on it and chewing on it and chewing on it. So if information or data is coming in that's negative and isn't delivered in a constructive way, that can cycle and be kind of disruptive. So it ends up not being helpful. So with, in that sense, I can see where some people get off saying, well, they're not very capable of taking criticism. So what research on highly sensitive people indicates is that those who had in particular difficult childhoods tend to fare way worse in this realm. So they tend to be even more sensitive to constructive, even to even constructive feedback. On the flip side, those who had happy homes tend to be even more well-adjusted in society than those who are not sensitive and who may have also had happy homes. So basically, it's kind of a wash. It's just that they're gonna, op they behave in extremes. So they'll either be extremely accommodating and receptive to information, or perhaps extremely, well, sensitive. It kind of depends on how they've been raised in their background and whether or not they've been fought like, uh, ooh, nourished. This is part of the reason why highly sensitive people are likened to orchids. The, an orchid, if you, it, it kind of requires very specific things, specific lighting. You can't even water it regularly. It does better if you just put ice cubes in it so that it melts slowly and uniformly. I mean, it goes on and on. But I will say, they are extremely resilient flowers. They will come back from the brink of death. Highly sensitive people are very similar. They can be phenomenally resilient, but they do need a set of specific things in their environment. So basically, you know, don't mistreat an HSP in childhood, I suppose. So myth number two, highly sensitive people are sweet, generous, sainted people that others should try and emulate. Please. <clears throat> no, that's the, that's what I have to say about that. Just please. Um, to be a highly sensitive person just means having a slightly more vigilant nervous system. That's it. 
I mean, I can, in order to identify one as a highly sensitive person, there's four qualities or characteristics. Uh, it's put in an acronym called DOES or DOES. So depth of processing, overstimulation, emotional reactivity or emotional sensitivity rather, and then sensory sensitivity. So it's, it has to do with how we process data. It's really that alone. Now, having said that, because we process data so deeply, there is perhaps a correlation with the likelihood that someone who's highly sensitive might also be sensitive to other people's feelings. Um, Dr. Aaron writes on being an HSP that it's not about being sensitive in the sense of caring for and being responsive to others. Most sensitive people are usually highly motivated and skilled at showing empathy, but many non-sensitive persons are equally or more motivated and successful at being sensitive in this other sense. Now, over-aroused HSPs can actually be temporarily anything but empathic. You will know when your highly sensitive lover, friend, sister, mother, brother, nephew, whatever, has been left alone too long unfed. <laughs> you'll know when he is hangry. Um, you'll know when he's overstimulated, overaroused. It's almost like there's so much information coming in that the entire system goes on overload. It's, you got to kind of think of like when you have your internet open and there's 30 tabs open. Everything moves more slowly. So I can testify that, to this on a personal level. As a highly sensitive person, if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm not setting boundaries up well and I just allow myself to get inundated with too much all at once, then I end up having to retreat inward and figure out how to get myself better. And while I'm in that process, I can't see you. It's not that I don't care about you, it's that you don't exist to me in that moment. Not until I've got my equilibrium back. Much the same as a drowning man probably isn't thinking about the other 15 drowning people beside him. He can't think about it. He's too busy trying to get to the surface so he can get some air into his lungs. It's a very similar experience. Now, I'm not trying to give you the sense that all highly sensitive people are going to lose their marbles at, on a whim. But what I am saying is, if you're making an assumption that because this person that you might be sitting next to has identified themselves as being highly sensitive, if you're assuming that they're also super duper sweet, they may be or they might not be. They're just as likely and or unlikely to be fabulous or jerkosaurus rex as any other human on the planet. So again, to be highly sensitive does not necessarily mean highly generous and sweet. Uh, myth number three, highly sensitive people are better at relationships. Now you would think so, wouldn't you? <laughs> like, um, with all that attention that we pay to our surroundings and by extension to our mates, you would think that we would be fabulous at relationships. We're conscientious, we pay attention, we tend to be empathetic creatures, but it's actually a bit more complicated than that. Here's what I will say. Highly sensitive people do bring three major assets to a relationship. First, when we're not over aroused, <laughs> um, we can tend to be sensitive to and willing to adapt our behavior for the benefit of others. We are adaptable creatures, I will say that. So some people might even playfully call us mind readers. It can feel like that sometimes when you're in our space because we 
might notice cues that you didn't even realize that you were giving. And they're typically the subtle cues that other people aren't paying much attention to. So a highly sensitive person might notice before others would that you've yawned more than usual or that you, uh, you're slumping in your chair or that there's a general shift in your expressions or that the tone of your voice has shifted slightly. And because we're noticing that, if you are also looking at a highly sensitive person who is, in addition to being sensitive, also agreeable in terms of having a set of traits in that realm, they are agreeable people, though that combination will lead to someone who's extremely attentive. Um, so that can be a really lovely thing. Second, they'll bring depth to a relationship. And this is especially true as it relates to conversations. Because highly sensitive people are often looking at the subtle nuances of their environment and they're processing everything deeply. And I know I keep saying deeply as if it makes us seem like we're deep and profound beings. Maybe, but not always. It's more just that any topic that is of interest to us, you will probably find it to be the case that we go diving down deeper and deeper because it's just the way our brain processes stuff. So because of that, if you get linked into a conversation that you ha- where we share an interest, we're not going to braze, sort of be like, oh, let's talk about chit-chat. Let's go to the surface level. No, we'll probably bring in a whole lot of interesting information for you to play with. So it's not likely to be the case that you'll get bored with a highly sensitive person. They, we are interesting. <laughs> Give us that. So here's number three. Um, we tend to be exceptionally loyal. So highly sensitive people are notorious for staying in relationships if they show even a shred of potential. Uh, despite the fact that the relationship might be obviously crumbling. So it, and this isn't just unique to highly sensitive people. It's not like they're the only ones who do this, but there's a high correlation. So you'll often hear a highly sensitive person who might be in a relationship that's clearly falling apart say, yeah, but there's so much potential. Or you might know deep in the deepest of your heart that this poor thing needs to get out of whatever relationship they're in. But for whatever reason, they're just not done yet. They are loyal to the point where if there's any slight possibility that the thing can work, more often than not, they will stick around. So those are what we bring. We bring an interesting flavor of intensity. (laughs) We are attentive, we're interesting, and we're loyal. Unfortunately, despite these obvious perks, highly sensitive people tend to have a harder time in romantic relationships on the whole. So we have an aversion to too much stimulation. That can make it harder for us to meet new people because in order to get out and meet new people, that requires a certain amount of discomfort. I think that's true of everyone. So just imagine you're a highly sensitive person who would like discomfort a little less. Um, They can also struggle to find someone who can appreciate them without wanting to change them. At least this has been my experience and the experience of others. You know, oh, come on, just toughen up a little bit. Oh, just deal, damn it. Just get over it. And it's like, well, there are some things I'm willing to deal with, quote unquote, and get over, quote unquote. But to a certain extent, and this is only more true as I, every year that goes by, I've gotten to the point where I just think, yeah, but I don't want to. <laughs> I could go to that party, but... I don't have to go to that party. No one's going to die if I don't go to that party. So I'm not gonna. Sorry. 
And there's lots of things that the average person loves to do. Going to theme parks, having slumber parties, um, going to loud concerts. And it's like, oh, I so wish I wanted to do that. I have no desire. <laughs> so it can be tough to, to for someone to appreciate the things that we sensitive people might have to offer. Because uh, while we're interesting on the outside, once you're actually in a relationship with us, we do require an amount of, I don't know, attentiveness, investment, anyway. But it's not just about other people and how they put up with us. It goes the other direction as well. A lot of highly sensitive people have grievances that sound something like, gee, I sure wish that my partner was deeper, thought more, um, was more reflective and didn't require an entire fireworks show in order to entertain them. I'm mildly entertained by watching grass grow. Why do you need a party in order to have the same experience? You know, I'm easily amused. What's wrong with you? So highly sensitive people are just as capable of being judgy wedgies. So <laughs> this combination of factors can make it tough to stay in a relationship. Ultimately, if you're going to boil it down, it comes to Number one, who's going to be willing to put up with me? And number two, who am I willing to put up with? So there's that. Myth number four, highly sensitive people are smarter than the average person. Going to be totally honest here, folks. I honestly don't know. I don't see, I haven't seen any research to suggest that they, we have a higher IQ. Um, there's certainly nothing definitive to, to suggest we're smarter emotionally or mechanically or, I mean, I haven't seen the data. If it exists, tell me about it. Uh, we do tend to be more risk averse and we tend to think deeply about things before making decisions. As a result, we may do fewer stupid things and thus be viewed as being potentially more intelligent. At the end of the day, what makes a sensitive person qualify as sensitive, as I've mentioned before, comes down to that depth of processing, over arousal, emotional intensity, and sensory sensitivity. So because we're more risk averse, we might make fewer crappy choices. That doesn't mean that we're smarter. It means that we like risk less. So there you have it. Number five, highly sensitive people are psychics. No, <laughs> if you hear any of that woo-woo bullcaca, let me tell you, no, just uh-uh. And if you're a highly sensitive person and you're trying to say, oh, oh, there's this coach. She calls herself Leah, the, you know, coaching the healthy sensitive. I'm a sensitive and I can see the future. Listen, if you can see the future, congratulations. But that is not what I mean when I say highly sensitive person and they're is no data that I've seen that suggests that highly sensitive people are of any high correlation with being psychics. But I will say this, I'm willing to bet that highly sensitive people pay more attention to patterns that might be emerging. And so they might be able to predict things that other people could perceive as being almost psychic. But my guess is it's just because they're paying super duper close attention. And to be quite honest, that's probably true of most people who identify as being psychics. They're reading into something that the rest of us regular folks are kind of just like, well, I don't know, I miss that. I could be wrong about this, but all I'm saying is there's no research to suggest that we are psychics. So, yeah, nine, nah. Number six, highly sensitive people have better immune systems than other people. 
Um, this assumption often comes in because highly sensitive people tend to live a bit longer. Here's what I'll tell you about that. Um, first of all, no, not exactly. I will say this, as I've mentioned a few times already, highly sensitive people who have had a really, uh, I'll say, lovely childhood or stable childhood do tend to have a more robust immune system and or just get sick less often than the average person in the same favorable set of circumstances. So there's that. But on the whole, to have a more... To be highly sensitive does not necessarily mean one is going to have a better immune system. The reality is highly sensitive people tend to also be highly conscientious. It's not 100% of them, but again, as I've said this word multiple times, there's just a correlation there. And being conscientious is correlated with longevity. Well, why is that? Well, because people who are conscientious go to the doctor, they brush their teeth, they eat their Wheaties, they cook their broccoli, they floss, they get on the scale without complaint. You know, they do basic self-care things. Highly sensitive people also have, I mean, I heard this phrase once from an acupuncturist. She said, you know, you folks just have a shorter karmic leash. You know, plenty of people out there can eat junk food and drink alcohol and they won't feel great the next day. But a highly sensitive person's nervous system, because it is more acute, it's just able to detect those subtle changes with a bit more intensity. So a hangover for the average person feels crappy. A hangover for a highly sensitive person feels like hell. So I don't think we're living longer because we have better immune systems. I think we're just, I think our bodies are just louder, or at least they sound that way to us. Myth number seven, highly sensitive people are all universally introverts. No, wrong. (laughs) Not all highly sensitive people are introverts. I am one, in case you were curious. To be an introvert or to be an extrovert is defined not by wanting quiet. It's defined by how you recharge. So I'm an introvert. I love humans. I particularly love my humans, the people that I associate with being my people. But when I'm done being around my people, I take a big breath and I say, ah, I can't wait to go home. I need to do some resting. And I go rest alone with my dog and my cat. That's what recharging looks like to me. An extrovert would say, ah, wow, I've been alone for a while. And that was lovely. Now I want to go recharge by having the company of people I care about around me. So there are highly sensitive people who are also extroverted. These individuals do tend to need a bit more downtime than the average extrovert would, but that has much less to do with being around humans and more to do with stimulation. So a highly sensitive extrovert might say, oh, I want to hang out with my friends, but maybe only 10 of them. And maybe not in a loud concert space, but maybe it'd be more in a quiet cafe somewhere. You know, maybe they join many clubs, but all every one of those clubs is only five to six people and their book clubs and their, um, I don't know, jazz clubs or sewing clubs or, you know, so it's like, yes, I want to be around people. I just don't want there to be a loud, a lot of flashy, loud noises when I'm in the company of my friends. So 30% of highly sensitive people identify as being extroverts. 
just FYI. And myth number eight, highly sensitive people are all universally risk averse. So I mentioned that earlier when I was talking about how conscientious they tend to be and why they tend to live longer. But funny story, not all highly sensitive people are, well, maybe this isn't fair to say, they are all universally risk averse, so they don't like negative consequences. It's just that some of them are also pleasure seekers or reward sensitive. That's what it is. So some people are sensitive to punishment, HSPs, and some people are sensitive to rewards, highly sensation seekers. These two traits are in no way, shape, or form linked. So you can be a highly sensitive person who is also high sensation seeking. Um, the kind of person who might be high sensation seeking would be a person who likes novelty. They love to travel. They like to experience not just new things, but exotic things. They want to see something unique. And so you can be in the situation where you equal parts want to stay safe while also seeking out an adventure. And it can be one hell of a tug of war. So it's not true that all highly sensitive people are universally ninnies. Um, I will say for myself, I am also a high sensation seeker. So I love novel. I'm the person who loves to travel, but I hate traveling. And but what I mean is I love it when I have landed in a new place and I get to explore on foot. I do not like the packing of the things, the dragging of the things to the airport, the sitting in the airport, the sitting in the airplane, the exhaustion that comes with time changes, the exhaustion that comes with not sleeping as well in a new environment. But dang it all, I do love it when I finally am there and sleep deprived though I might be, I'm exploring this brand new city and meeting new people and getting very interesting conversations going. And I love all of that. So as I mentioned, it's a hell of a tug of war, but nope, not true. Not all highly sensitive people are only risk averse. Number nine, highly sensitive people are almost all female. Nope, 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 and nope. Uh, highly sensitive people are equally male and female. There's just as many men as women. Well, I will say this though, females are given more license to identify as such. So you would be hard pressed to find a man who openly and with any amount of satisfaction would identify as being highly sensitive. We don't allow any space for that, certainly not in our culture. You know, men who are soft, get it together. Ugh, gross. But highly sensitive men, because I have met some, are fabulous. And they are no more... The, oh, what's the word? What's the opposite of courageous? Not ninny, but cowardly. Uh, highly sensitive men are no more cowardly than any other man. They don't tend to like being in places that are risky, so they're not going to go looking for trouble. But they're just people who have depth of processing, get easily over-aroused, have emotional intensity, and have sensory sensitivity. You probably know these men, and they've just figured out how to hide it really well. But yep, highly sensitive people, both men and women. And last but not least, highly sensitive people are only a teeny-weeny little fraction of the population. Oh, you're highly sensitive. You must be one of those people. We should just call this a disorder. 
No, it's not a disorder. It is, in fact, a trait. It's a minority, I'll grant you that, but it's a pretty large minority. We represent 15 to 20% of the population. And I will say, too, it's not just humans. This trait is found in a number of other animals. I don't remember how many, but Elaine Aaron's list was impressive. It was pretty long. And you gotta think, this is an advantageous trait to have in a large herd. So, antelope. You don't want every antelope in your group to be highly sensitive. That's not productive. Y'all are gonna be too scared to get the food you need to eat. So, a good chunk of them are gonna be go-getters. They're gonna go after that new set of, like, grassy hillness, and they're gonna lead the herd toward new destinations. But there's gonna be about 15 to 20%, that's about the number you want, who are gonna hang back. They're gonna be more reluctant to try new pastures, and they're gonna pay more attention to subtle shifts in their environment. That's helpful, because if out of the blue, a predator is in, they'll probably among, be among the first to detect the predator. And they'll tell everyone else, like, psst, hey, anyone see the wolf that was back there? I'm pretty sure he doesn't belong. <laughs> so highly sensitive people are not actually a tiny fraction of the population. They're a large minority of the population. So I will say, too, these are the 10 that I'm covering today. And there's probably a much larger list of myths that are commonly dispersed amongst the masses as it pertains to highly sensitive people. I thought, you know, it would be useful to go over these myths as I relaunch again into more of a steady podcasting schedule. And especially with this new branding I'm trying to put out there, because, again, I just want to be straight. I want to have a rich conversation about what it is to be highly sensitive. And I want, I'm trying to encourage highly sensitive people to get out there and be their best selves and to dismiss some of the assumptions that they've been fed and that other people have been fed as well about what it means to be highly sensitive and what an appropriate lifestyle for them looks like. Because highly sensitive people make great leaders. They make great writers. They make great lawyers and judges and architects. We are capable of doing all the same things that any other person, sensitive or no, is capable of. It's just that we need to be practicing a bit more self-care. So to that end, just as an FYI, a little housekeeping here, uh, I do want to say too that I'm launching, going to be launching some courses. Uh, I've done some piloting with courses that were like online, but people were actually calling in, so they were live. And what I did in those instances was to record all of the information and then allow people to access it forever after. And the one positive piece, well, I mean, I got some positive feedback, but the one that I heard most often was, we love that we can access this whenever we want. So what I took from that was, you know, maybe having a highly sent, you know, class for highly sensitive people uh, shouldn't be something that I schedule and that you are forced to log in at a specific time. So it's my goal to create courses with content that are aimed at helping highly sensitive people with self-care practices that help them recharge quickly so that you can go back to being whatever awesome superhero you want to be. So that's my role here. I'm trying to completely demolish the assumption that you have to choose between being healthy and sane and feeling good, or you can be the superhero self that you really want to be 
Because this world needs highly sensitive people. We need highly sensitive voices out there. We need some, we need those folks in our herd to be letting us know when the predators are creeping up. And in our current climate, these we're easily getting outvoiced, outmanned, outbanged, outdrummed. And so I just want to encourage us highly sensitive people to be a little bit more, hmm, boisterous is the wrong word. Just more holy ourselves and figure out a way to live big, but live big on our own terms. So hope you enjoyed the show for today. I'm really excited. I'm going to be launching more frequently. Um, I'll be talking a bit more detail about the classes as well. So please stay tuned. And of course, if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. You can get um, reach me on my website, thehealthysensitive.com. Um, you can also email me directly. Uh, you can contact me through the website, but my email is leahburkhart360 at gmail.com. Uh, yeah, so have a fabulous day, folks, and I'll be talking to you soon.